Creativity, Episode 6. If I were to look at what I what I did before I when I was drinking versus what came after, it's an exponential increase after I stopped drinking. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Own Your Creativity podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to Adam Kelly Morton. He's from Montreal, Canada, and he's completed his MFA in acting at York University, Toronto, and has bachelor degrees in biology and theater slash English literature from Concordia University, Montreal. His play, The Anorak, about Canada's worst school shooting, has been presented throughout Eastern Canada and in London, England. As a filmmaker, Adam's short films have screened in Montreal, Toronto, and the U.S., including the Soho, New York City, and Rochester International Film Festivals. His writing has been published in Transition Magazine, Urban Graffiti, Menda City Review, Culture, Rover Arts, and Concordia Now. So, welcome to the show, Adam. How are you doing? I'm actually very good today because I actually slept, which is unusual when you have two young children. And in the past week or so, with the lead up to Christmas and everything after Christmas and New Year's, there's not been a lot of sleep in our family. And last night was hopefully the the climax of the bad sleeping. Not last night, the night before. It was absolutely dreadful. And... Uh, I had a long chain of interesting posts on Facebook that people were finding pretty funny about my ongoing war with my children. And um, anyway, so things are, the kids slept pretty well tonight. My wife and I got a good night's sleep and we're feeling pretty good, which is great. Well, I'm so glad to catch you on a good day. <laughs> it's a glorious day, yeah. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit more about what you do and, and a glimpse in, into your, your daily routine. Sure. These days, uh, I'm in a kind of transition period with my with my career because uh, you know when I finished my master's in acting I was devoted to being an actor and that's all I wanted to do and I really didn't have ambitions in anything else but living in Toronto and and you know working as an actor is not an easy thing to do it's certainly not easy to make a living as an actor and kind of by default because of one of the projects that we did for my master's degree I delved back into this one-man show that I wrote called The Anorak. And The Anorak ended up being the catalyst for my film career because I started working on films with Denis Villeneuve with Polytechnique. And um, we I started working on um, filmmaking as well. And with filmmaking, there's, of course, a writing component where you're, um, you know, you have to write the scripts for what's going on, the screenplays. And that eventually led into a straight-up writing career in prose, um, which is what I've been doing most for the last um, couple of years. Because uh, filmmaking kind of... I got to the point with my filmmaking where I'm, I can't make another film unless I have grants, and grant writing is a whole process, and filmmaking costs a lot of money, whereas writing costs nothing. It's, uh, it's something that you can just do anytime, and I, and I need to always be doing something creatively so writing is the natural the natural um outlet for my creativity um and the transition is just happening now because i'm actually uh starting to work i teach at dawson college and i'm starting to work full-time there this um well this semester i'm going to work there full-time and i'm kind of making the transition into accepting okay my i'm not really 
doing a lot of acting anymore and that's okay. I'm still going to do things here and there. Um, but I'm moving a lot more into straight up teaching and that that's okay. And, um, I'm going to be still writing all the time because I have to, but, uh, essentially I'm going to be teaching and writing and doing all of my family things. I'm waving goodbye to my wife as I speak to you. Um, and, uh, that's sort of my daily routine. It's um, it's get up, go to the gym. I uh, I'll spend some time on my on my school on my because I run an acting school, so I'll spend time on that. I'll spend time on preparing for my work at Dawson, and then um, I'm working on writing, either writing stuff or editing stuff or reading other people's writing because reading is a huge component of of being a writer. In the past little while, I've had a number of publications, and that's been great. It's there's a steady flow to life as an artiste and it's kind of nice um, as long as you can maintain it. So what's your definition of creativity then? Being able to put ideas and feelings and things that you have onto either paper or whatever the medium is that you work in. So getting stuff that you have inside of you out. That's to me that's the definition of creativity. If you can for me, the, the most usual way I do that is I write things. So I, I've always got a journal with me of some sort ready to write down either an idea or to start working on a short story or a film idea or whatever it is. Um, lately, I've, been, I've got the idea of a novella in my head. I think it's because I've accumulated enough published and unpublished short stories that I'm thinking about maybe doing a, a collection that would include a novella. Um, so that's sort of, for me, creativity is about being able to get things that are inside of you that need to come out to get them out. Um, and to do it in a material form, because obviously, if you've done things like therapy, like I've done therapy before, and to me, therapy is great. Talking with um, talking with people about what's going on inside of you is great, but to actually put it down in a material form, either written or drawn or sculpted or filmed or played on an instrument, whatever, um, to me, that's what creativity is. It's channeling something inside into something material on the outside. Have you ever had a time in your life where you weren't connected to your creativity or you were blocked or uh, couldn't access it? And what was that like for you? Yes. And it was dreadful because, um, it's actually, there's, there's a common sort of idea, um, that with creativity comes suffering and that people who artists, especially who resort to things like drinking or drugs or, any kind of addiction, um, that that's, that is what enables them to be creative. But, um, in my blackest periods of lacking creativity of not actually creating anything, that's where I did my drinking and, um, and that's, that was a long road to come out of that. Um, I've been sober, I'm coming up on my, so this will be my eighth year of sobriety on January 28th. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, I have to say that the past eight years of my life have been the most creative of my life. If I were to look at what I, what I did before I, when I was drinking versus what came after, it's an exponential increase after I stopped drinking. For me, the, uh, the, the just coping, um, the coping that came with, you know, not creating and with drinking and living that kind of lifestyle 
it just really didn't enable me to accomplish very much. Whereas ever since I've been sober, um, I've been able to just create a lot more. And I'm, I'm one of those fortunate artists um, in that I don't really, I've never really had writer's block. I've never really experienced anything like that. I've just had sort of a total paralysis of creativity, which is what can happen when you have a, a dangerous lifestyle. And, you know, I mean, that sounds really cheesy to say that, but you know what I mean? It's like, um, for me, the, I've always had the ability to create things and I feel very fortunate about that. Um, it's just it, a lot better when I allow myself to be open to creating things versus shutting myself down. Can you give an example of, uh, how your creativity flourished after you stopped drinking? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing that happened immediately after I stopped drinking was I moved to New York. And for me, that was meant to be a permanent move, but very quickly the money ran out and, uh, the, the situation in New York became, you know, became something that I couldn't sustain. So I came home and on the, on the coach, on the way back from, New York City, I thought to myself, okay, well, now I'm used to New York rent. I'm going to see if I can find myself a loft space in Montreal for the same price or less. And, you know, I'll teach acting classes on the side, make a bit of money, and we'll see what happens. And what happened was I started my school and began a series of plays, which eventually led to some short films and then eventually to the prose writing. I was just, I put myself in a space where I could be creative and I wasn't kind of just turned in on myself and, you know, self flagellating for all of my miseries and all that kind of junk but I was with a bunch of creative people and they were creating things and I was inspired to create things myself and I did and built really a community of people who wanted to do the same thing I couldn't have done that when when I was drinking because I was just too focused on myself and my own problems I was allowed it enabled me to look outside of myself for me that's a big source of creativity if you want to do things like film you really can't if you're just in your own little world you need to work with people so yeah it's such a collaborative art form yeah yeah you definitely have to to work with people mm -hmm. so now you're uh transitioning into teaching you say and well i mean i'm transitioning into full-time teaching so what are you teaching on a full-time basis and and how do you connect that to your continuum of creativity well i'm not sure yet it's kind of an experiment we're gonna see how it goes i to be honest elizabeth i haven't had a full-time job in my entire life <laughs> so it'll be really interesting to see what happens but i teach in professional theater so i mean that's already a source of of great inspiration for me and I'm very proud of all of the students that I've connected with over the years um, so to be able to continue doing that is is great for me and I think that it's going to be I think it's really going to help my creativity because first of all I'm going to have to be a lot more a lot stricter about finding time to create stuff I know for a fact that if I don't create anything if I don't write anything for example for an extended period of time I start to go a little crazy and um, and then I write something uh, and then yeah, and, I, and by crazy, I just mean like I become despondent. Um, like I feel like I'm not doing what I should be doing. I can and relate. I write, and then all I have to do is sit down and write something. And it's like, oh, okay, that's better. <laughs> Fortunately, over the past little while, another collaborative thing that I've managed to do is uh, start a writing group. I met a bunch of really great people doing a workshop with the Quebec Writers Federation here. And uh, we started a writing group, which, uh, which is called the Bloody Key Society. And we, we meet twice a month, two or three times a month, and we critique each other's work. It's a, your standard sort of writing group. But it's great because it really forces you to have a deadline and to work and to 
read and to think about writing all the time. And I'm, I'm trying to take the group to to the next level by having uh, having us be responsible for a periodical, like a, an online literary journal, the Bloody Key Society periodical, which I'm hoping to launch in February and uh, looking forward to that. So I think with the writing group and with teaching being always being a vehicle for creativity because I'm what I, I'm just lucky that I'm, I'm teaching what I'm preaching. I'm actually teaching theater and teaching artists uh, as opposed to teaching science or something like that. So the things complement each other quite well. I think that the transition will, will happen fairly easily. I'll, I'll be able to work and teach and continue writing and continue producing. It's, it's sort of true that people who are active in one area tend to be active in a lot of other areas too. So I'm hoping that'll be the case with me that by actually getting busier with teaching, I'll, I'll even get busier with writing. We'll see. I came across this quote in a book that I was reading recently that said, creativity requires constraints. And I spoke with Elizabeth Harver. She was one of my profs and uh, she's a novelist. And she says that she would not want to be a full-time novelist. She would not want to just have days and days ahead of her with no structure that by having to teach or to to do other part-time jobs that actually helps her be a better writer. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like what you were saying about uh, hopefully teaching full-time will provide that constraint that you do produce. Yeah, I hope so too. I would agree with what she says. Yeah. When you think about creativity, was there a moment in your life where you had this aha moment that you had a realization about creativity and, and its importance to you? And what was that about? Yeah, I mean, the one that, that comes to mind was, you know, I did my whole biology degree. And during that whole time, I remember I'd sit in my biology labs thinking, huh, you people are idiots. You actually like this stuff? <laughs> Suckers. When, in fact, I was the idiot because I was paying for the classes and I was sitting in these labs. And, um, you know, I did that for the decision out of high school to go into sciences was ended up being like a seven-year bifurcation. Um, the When I got into the theater program at Concordia, for me, it was it was an immediate sort of decision. It was an, it was a, it was a need impulse. I, I needed to have an outlet and I needed to do theater and I auditioned to get into the program. I got in. And so there was a, an immediacy to that, but it wasn't a, it wasn't still wasn't an aha moment until I remember I was, I was up in the biology lab at Concordia at the hall building, which I call a Faustian escalator hell. We were up on the eighth floor uh, I was up on the eighth floor, which is where a lot of the um, lecture halls were for biology. And I was just using one of the computers there. And I think everything sort of came together, bringing back the years that I'd spent there as a science student and what I was doing then. I think it was in my final year. And I was thinking to myself, maybe I'll try being an actor for a living. Hmm. And I think that was the, it's only occurring to me at this moment that where that happened, I, I just remember it being in, in the biology amidst all the science students where I had that aha moment, the decision, really the decision to make the immediate something more long-term. And I've pretty much been doing that in one way or another ever since. It was, uh, it was a real bifurcation. It was, okay, I'm going to actually go down this path to doing this for a living. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it one way or another. And I have been ever since. So it's good. Cool. So we come to the segment of the show called the Creative Surge segment, and these are just short answer. So what is the best advice you ever received? 
we need you in the theater. We need you. It was my teacher. Oh, I won't say his name, but he was my teacher at Concordia. And his answer to me saying, do you think I should do this? He said, we need people like you in the theater. I was like, okay. Can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success? I keep a journal with me at all times. So I'm always ready to write something down if something comes up to me. And what person inspires you to be creative? It's not a person. It's a community. There's a lot of people who I'm connected to in the film and theater and writing community and all of them inspire me. What is your favorite work of art? Off the top of my head, It's a Wonderful Life, the film. Why so? Uh, to me, Jimmy Stewart's performance in It's a Wonderful Life is the best acting I've ever seen. Wow, very cool. I think it's astounding for the time when Hollywood was going through a transition of its own from the sort of declamatory stuff that they were doing post-silent film era to, you know, the incoming method acting kind of stuff. And Jimmy Stewart was ready for that transition. And a lot of the actors in the film really aren't. But I really love his performance in that. That's an inspiration to me. And a favorite quote that inspires you? <laughs> it's more of a quote that from the years when I was drinking, but I've never forgotten it for some reason. And it's a quote from Charles Bukowski, the, the drunken poet and writer, who said, that's the problem with drinking. When you were happy, you drank to celebrate. When you were sad, you drank to forget. And when nothing was happening, you drank to make something happen. And to me, I feel like that's what I was doing back then. But now creativity and writing and the arts have supplanted the drinking. So do you have any parting words of wisdom or advice for our lister, listeners? For By my definition of creativity, of actually taking something in the inside and making something out of it on the, you know, a material expression of it, just do that. Do that in whatever, whatever way you can. Find the way that works best for you and do it. Um, there's really not, uh, it, it's not that complicated. Creativity is something that we do very easily when we're children. We put a crayon on the page or we talk about things or we put on, like not just talk about things, but put on shows. Uh, we perform things. It's very easy. And then over time, we're sort of told, well, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be an adult and have responsibilities and make money and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's really important for people to continue being creative and, and the way to do it is to do it. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you today and I hope that you transition into full-time teaching in a way that is creative. Thanks, Elizabeth. I hope so too. I'm sure I, I, I won't have it any other way. Yeah. If I know you, you won't. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Elizabeth. It was great fun. Hey, you out there in podcast land. Thank you for listening. I so admired Adam's forthrightness and honesty about being eight years sober and having more creativity because of it. Did that resonate with you? If so, I'd love to hear what you think, as well as any other comments, questions, or suggestions. So feel free to send me an email through my website, ownyourcreativity.com. I also wanted to remind you of the digital swag bag you could win. It's in celebration of the launch of my Own Your Creativity podcast, and it includes four gifts to inspire you. One is an audio about the top three reasons publishers and agents reject books. Two, a copy of Cracking the Success Code. The world's leading experts reveal their top secrets to help you crack the code for optimal health, wealth, and success. Third, a digital edition of Valum, the contemporary poetry magazine. And fourth, a copy of my PDF, Set Your Stories on Sizzle, an ebook full of ideas and inspiration. To be eligible for this digital swag bag, all you have to do is sign up for my mailing list at bit.ly 
forward slash O-Y-C-C-O-N-T-E-S-T. And the winner will be announced during the show on March 30th. So that link again is bit.ly forward slash OYC contest. Now tomorrow I'll be talking to Candace M. Campbell. She's a best-selling author and an internationally known psychic medium. Not only will you hear how creativity manifests in her life, you'll get a glimpse into the inspiring nature that surrounds her home. So until tomorrow, own your creativity. Creativity.